the spectrum of opinion when it comes to Palestine, when it comes to Israel, when it comes to the Holy Land, when it comes to what, however you want to frame it, the, the language immediately determines what perspective you're from. So is it is Israel a colonial em- enterprise that is occupying Palestinians in a completely unjust way and, and Israel has no right to exist? Okay, some people will say that. Is Israel the lone democracy in the Middle East fighting for survival against terrorists who hate Israel and want to kill all Jews? Some people will say that. I would argue that the, the, the actuality of the situation is far more complex and that Israel grew out of terrible de- devastation um, with, with Jews running from places where they could no longer live. It is a conflict of two national groups that want the same homeland. Two groups, two nationalisms, a Jewish nationalism, which is called Zionism, a Palestinian nationalism. They both want the land. They can't have everything they want. It's impossible unless they want to destroy the other one. So if one wants to destroy the other, yes, you can have a Zionism or you can have a Palestinian nationalism and the other will not exist. But if if the other is going to exist, they have to somehow come to some kind of way of living together in, in justice and equality. But that is a long way ahead. This is Marsha Lazarus from Hudson Mohawk Magazine. I'm sitting here with Daniel Noah Moses, currently of Troy, New York. It's been about 10 days since the attack by Hamas militants on Israeli civilians and counterattack by the Israeli military. Over 4,000 people have died. At least 199 Israelis were taken hostage. The people of Gaza are facing a humanitarian catastrophe and violence and human suffering of an unimaginable scale threatened to engulf the region. I wanted to talk with you, Daniel, because you bring such a wide perspective. You've lived in Jerusalem for 11 years. Your work has involved promoting relationships among Israeli Jews, Israeli Arabs, and Palestinians living just across the border in Gaza. Daniel, how did we get here? I want you to just know when I try to answer this question, I'm only scratching the surface. And I urge anybody who wants to know more of an answer to that question to keep asking questions and to look at multiple sources and open your heart, open your mind to different perspectives on, on that answer. How did we get here to this point now? At the same time, I do want to give one slice of that answer. As, as a Jewish person, as an American, and as a failed peace builder. If you're very critical of Israeli policy, but you still believe that Israelis have, are human and have a right to live there, and, and, um, and that there is a Jewish connection to the land, where do you stand when it, it's only a demonstration that is pro-Palestinian in terms of Palestinian solidarity, but doesn't open its heart to the situation of Israelis, who appear very strong and are very strong and have the military might, but inside, and the great Israeli writer Amos Oz said this at an event that I went to once, where he he said this to a Palestinian friend of his. He said, I know that to you we look so strong and we have the machine guns and we have the weapons and we are occupying you and we are creating terrible injustice for you. Yes, that's all true. But you must, if you're to remember and understand us in a way that would actually help to build a better future, you must realize that we feel like refugees, like weak, scared refugees who have escaped from the places that we came from, and that uh, just two generations ago escaped the Holocaust of millions. And we don't feel strong. We feel imperiled, and we feel surrounded. 
And that's also true. What's happened is since 1967, when Israel not only won the War of Independence in 48, but in 67 occupied the West Bank and Gaza, and then as the years went forward, in the decades went forward, the, the occupation of Gaza and the West Bank continued, and the right wing in Israel has grown stronger and stronger. And the current government now, with Netanyahu as a head, is the most right wing government. And Netanyahu, in the last, since he has been prime minister, there's been no negotiation with Palestinians, no outreach, no real recognition. It's clear, and among, in his coalition are very narrow-minded, rabidly nationalistic people. The fact that they have come to power, this very right-wing coalition, does that reflect the majority of Israeli viewpoints? Whenever people talk about Israel, or whenever people talk about Hamas, or whenever people talk about Iran, they make it sound like each one is just this entity walking across the world stage. Iran is a terrorist, this, this, and this. Israel is an occupying this, this, and this. All Israel, as well as Hamas, are in internally diverse, large groups of people. Israelis are not one thing. It's an extremely pluralistic society with radically different opinions. Um, I mean, a, a, a different ideas about about religion, about culture, about how to live, about you know people who come from all over the world. I mean, it's it's a it's a diaspora immigrant country in many like like the U.S. in many ways, but where you have Jews coming from what Iraq, from Morocco, from Yemen, from Ethiopia, from Poland, from Russia, from you know they're they're very different, and you cannot take the elections as just a reflection of, of, of what most Israelis would want. But it is true that the right wing in Israel has grown stronger and stronger. And it is true that demographically, they are they have a leg up because who's having more children? The ultra-Orthodox and the modern Orthodox who are the national religious. Many of them are more right wing and many of them live in the settlements in the West Bank. And so those two groups of ultra-Orthodox Jews and, and national religious Jews are having far more children than than everybody else, except also you have the Palestinian Israelis or Palestinian citizens of Israel or Arab Israelis. You'll call them something different depending on where you come from. They have a high birth rate too. So the demographics of Israel are changing. The old socialist kibbutznik Israelis um, who were left-wing in many ways, they're just not reproducing. And besides that, the peace movement collapsed, partly because of Rabin's assassination, and partly because of well, the Second Intifada. Extremists on both sides that tried to destroy the prospects for peace, and they have succeeded. So all of that, combined with how people are in silos and don't know one another, creates a situation where public opinion in Israel is very sour when it comes to peace. So Daniel, how can we move forward? What would it look like? It's so hard to do it, but you need to be open to understand First of all, that Israel is a very diverse country with lots of different people with lots of opinions. But then there seems to be an emphasis, a focus on Israel as illegitimate in a way that no other country is deemed illegitimate, at least by certain people. And that kind of effort to make Israel illegitimate, the existence illegitimate, feeds into all of the fear that Israeli Jews have, an ex existential threat that they feel based on real experience. I think what's important to understand is 
although Israelis have a powerful state and a powerful military, the the ghost of the Holocaust is everywhere. Um, there, there are so many Holocaust survivors and children and grandchildren of Holocaust survivors, and it's pervading fear. So. That, that, that they have. And I, and I can relate very much to that because um, on my father's side of the family, most of the, most of the people there, most of them were killed in Europe and the few that escaped moved to Israel. Um, that My father has one first cousin who moved to Israel and one uncle, everybody else was killed. So I, so I really understand the, the fear that the Israelis have and that continues on uh, for other reasons that we know being surrounded by enemies and all of that. And so if people want to support Palestinians, look for a way to open doors. So fight for justice, be in solidarity with Palestinians or with Israelis, whoever you're in solidarity with, but open your heart to the suffering of the others and to the perspectives of the others. And so it's up to us to have a luxury of distance to do what we can right now to lower the flame. For me, that means I would march for stopping the violence, having a ceasefire now. I would march for pushing for dialogue and for recognizing both peoples and for the two peoples to to together build a better future. I went yesterday to Albany and, and there were all these demonstrators and it was so filled with yelling about things that I can't march with because it, it then excludes the Israelis in any for in any future. We might still disagree radically about the conflict. But if we want to stop the violence and if we want to humanize the other, when the people in the fire can't do that as well, we need to listen to those whom we might disagree with on a lot of details. But if we believe in the equal dignity and humanity of all people, if we believe that people have rights, no matter who they are, there are such things as human rights. Let's try to create demonstrations that can be bigger because they can be inclusive and they include people who who love Palestine, who love Palestinians and, and are very angry about Israel and, and, and not, don't have a connection to Israel and people who love Israel and feel very connected to Israel, but also don't want this violence on Palestinians and want Palestinians to live a good life. How do we enlarge the tent of the demonstrations or of the movement or of what we ask our Congress people? That I think is a big challenge. Israeli society and Israeli society in general is very complex and has a lot of beautiful things about it, as does Palestinian society. Now, and, and the two are very connected in lots of ways. Another friend I have, he says, look, I wear a necklace on my, on my neck of the full map, but that's my dream. My, the reality is we have to live together. So my small hope, this is a man named Mohammed Dajani, my small hope is that we can live together. So to live my small hope, we have to give up my, uh, my big dream. And I want to do that because that's the way to live together. And that's the way to create a more just, more human, humane, more peaceful future. If we could create that kind of sense of shared humanity, it would make a big difference.